Good afternoon. Or is it evening? Good evening. Good evening. It's really dark outside. It's dark at 2 o'clock, though. Can't tell if it's afternoon or evening or midnight. Um, I'm just joking. My name's Rashad. I'm one of the pastors here at Reality Boston, and I um, just want to thank you for, for being here. And if you're new, I hope that you feel welcomed and loved by people and the cookies and hot chocolate in the back as well. Those are homemade. Not the, not the coffee, but the cookies. Um, anyways, um, let me pray for our time. Father, uh, I thank you for your son. And um, God, that you, for you so love the world that you gave. And I, I pray today that we would hear your love in your heart for us, your people. And I pray that we'd receive your love. And um, I pray that we're transformed by this message of Jesus, this message of hope. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you hear me in the back? All right. Okay, I, I care about you back there. Um, so we are, as, you, as you've heard already, we're in our fourth week of Advent. And if, this is, if that word is not in your tradition around Christmas time, Advent simply means arrival. The arrival of hope, the arrival of peace, the arrival of joy, the arrival of love, all embodied in the person of Jesus. You might, you might feel right now, you might be someone in here right now that you've been in a dark place for a long time. For many of us here, we've literally been in a dark season and we're wondering, we're asking this question in our minds, when will it end? Advent is also a season of waiting. And for many of us, it feels like, if you're like me, that dark, it feels like darkness lasts forever, like a New England winter. Amen. No, not amen. I don't know. That's not amen. <laughs> no, come Lord Jesus. Um, <laughs> but I'm here, I'm here to say and agree with the writers of Scripture that darkness does not last forever. In fact, darkness is a prelude to light. Darkness precedes light. You look in Genesis and the darkness hovered and God said, let there be light. And light came. Matthew 4.16 says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. You may, you may be feeling like, I've been sitting in darkness and I'm unsure about the future. You may be waiting in the pool of despair. You may be dwelling in the land of what feels like desolation. But what I want to tell you is that's not all that there is. That the story doesn't end there. And sometimes in the middle, at the height of, of the darkest hour, it feels like this is all that there is and this is how it will end. And the story of the gospel and the story of Jesus is it doesn't end there. Psalm 30 says this, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Amen. If I was in an old church, the organ would have played right now. <laughs> joy. Somebody say joy. Right? And, and even if that's not your tradition at all, there's something about joy comes in the morning that sparks a chord in your soul. There's something in your soul that says, oh, I agree with that. Or, oh, I, I want that to be true. You see, what we have inside of us is we have, we have a well. We have a well inside of us with the capacity to contain God's joy. 
And what Advent comes to do is to feel and spring up that joy in that well that's inside of us and to make joy come alive. That's what Advent has come to do because hope has a name and hope appears in the darkness of the night. We live in a world with temporal happiness, with more lows than highs, with tons of bad news. Just grab the paper. We don't grab the paper. Look at your apps. Turn on the news. There's tons of bad headlines that are telling you there's nothing good coming. But the writers of Luke, the writers of the story of the gospel says, there is good news. There is cause for great joy. You with me? All right. And as we see in our story of these shepherds, they're working, we find them working the night shifts. They're doing a menial task. They're taking care of animals. They're watching animals. They don't, it's not a glamorous job. It's not the number one job on LinkedIn. They're not getting scouted by other jobs trying to recruit them to do it. They're shepherds and they're watching animals in the middle of the night. They're on the bottom of the societal totem pole in the middle of the night. They're met by an angelic messenger. And I think it's important to understand the cast that is portrayed in this story One commentator says this about shepherds. Shepherds were a despised class because their work prevented them from keeping the ceremonial law. And as they moved about the country, it was common for them to be regarded as thieves. They were considered unreliable and were not allowed to give evidence in the courts. I want you to grasp who God reveals himself to. Because it tells you a lot about the kind of God that we're reading about. Not He doesn't reveal himself to the people on the top of the pole, but those who are on the outside, those who are on the outside and the bottom and out in the fields forgotten. He reveals himself to them, and they become one of the first eyewitnesses to the greatest event in human history. Verse 9 says, the angel of the Lord appears, a supernatural message, messenger from God. Heaven breaks into their world in the middle of their midnight shift. Heaven breaks into the world and not metaphorically, heaven is there. God is there. And he says, I see you and I have something for you to see because hope is on the rise. Now understand, there hasn't been a God sighting in a long time. That, that, these, that these shepherds, that this is the last thing they expected to happen in, in, their, in this time in their life. To be included, to be visited by God and say, I want you to see something. And I want you to imagine this moment and this scene and how overwhelming this might be for them. How scary of a moment this might be for them. This is why the angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news, right? He doesn't bring them bad news. That might be a cause for fear. Do not be afraid. He says, stop immediately the process that's going through your hearts because there's cause for great joy. Whatever you're afraid of right now, whatever's causing you fear right now, I want to let you know that's not the end. Stop because there's a cause for great joy. He says, I... And the King James says, I bring you good tidings of great joy. It literally, that literally means, check this out. This is what it literally means. I evangelize to you a great joy. That word 
You've heard that word. Evangelize means to convert. I evangelize to you a great joy. I want to convert your fear, your darkness, your despair to a person filled, to a people filled with hope, peace, love, and joy. Have you ever had the opportunity to share good news with someone and you knew that this news would transform their life and it begin to give you joy? Because you knew what was going to happen in their life. This is what's happening with the angels right now as they're delivering this good news. Here's one of my favorite, is this phrase is, I'm implying this phrase is, is in here, but this is my favorite phrase in all of life. This will change your life. Right? <laughs> I love that phrase. Like, someone was to take me out to dinner and they go, This place is going to change your life. And I go, Yes, I'm all in. Why? Because as human beings, we want our lives changed. I want my life changed. I'm looking for life changing experiences. And usually they fall flat and they don't fail. And the angel says, This is going to change your life. In the most unexpected time and place of your life, here comes the light of God to save, rescue, deliver, and bring real life. He says, this is great joy for all people. This is important, regardless of your social status, your vocation, your gender, your area code, your ethnicity, your culture, where you come from, your pedigree. If you have a degree, what's your last name? It doesn't matter. This is the good news for all people. That means this has far-reaching effects that change the whole landscape of planet Earth. This is good news. Why is this good news? Because God sent a savior. God didn't send an assistant. God didn't send a political pundit. God didn't send some kind of aid, political aid. He sent something that, that he didn't just send something to address some symptoms in our culture. He sent a savior, a rescuer who can really transform the darkest of nights. Verse 11, today in the town of David has been born to you. He is the Messiah. The Lord. Caesar claimed to be Lord. They claim Caesar is Lord, but God declares Jesus is Lord and Messiah. Adonai, he's the Messiah. He's come to save and rescue. One Stoic philosopher, Epictetus, said, While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which humans yearn more than even for outward peace. We have, a, we have a longing that's deeper, that's wider than anything in this world can fulfill. We have the capacity to contain the joy of God that, the, that the, all of history and all of the scriptures are pointing is all wrapped up and embodied in Jesus. Isaiah 61 says this about Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to, be to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Jesus has been anointed by God. He has been 
installed as a Messiah and Lord of our world by the God of the universe. And it says that he's here for you. That he's here for us, for the brokenhearted, for the poor, for the poor in spirit, for the poor, for the oppressed, for the prisoner, for those who mourn. If you mourn, Jesus is here for you. For those who grieve, for those in despair, Jesus offers healing, freedom, justice, comfort, provision, and dignity. Bestows a crown of beauty. The angel tells the shepherds, Jesus is here. He's been born. He's entered our world in the midst of your mundane lives, in the midst of bleak circumstances. Heaven has broken in like the dawn, and we are filled with the hope of heaven. Instead of ashes, we have an oil of joy. Instead of mourning, we've been given garments of praise. And so these shepherds, I believe, they join in in the chorus of heaven. It says that their heavenly hosts joined in with the angelic messenger and they begin to sing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. For the first time in a long time, the glory of God has come to earth. One commentator says this, Jesus' birth is more than a cosmic event. It is the arrival of divine activity that should provide joy, reflection, and attentiveness. Here's the most important question for us today. How will you respond to this news? Friends, it, it's possible to experience joy. This message is good news. Its aim is to evangelize us to a great joy. The angels tell them, go, see for yourself. This is a sign for you. This is what Advent is doing. It's pointing us to something greater, something that has come, something that is coming, something that has the power to change our world and future. And you might want to hope and believe that there's something great enough to sustain your situation. That there's something that can break through your darkest of night and you don't know if it exists. But you hope to, to hope that it's there. There's something there. So why not in this space and time and this evening ask God to reveal Jesus to you right now. These shepherds in an unexpected encounter, receive the message and they search out to find if this is true and they see and find Jesus who is, not, who is the good shepherd, who is the lamb of God and it changes their lives. Verse 20, last verse. It says, the shepherds, after seeing, after, them, after seeing Jesus was there and seeing Mary and Joseph, it says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What if this is true? What could that mean for your life? God has given us a sign of his faithfulness by giving us his son, Jesus. The worst thing we can do is not respond to that. Let's not bottle up and compartmentalize the story of Jesus as just a bedtime story that can't really address the messiness and the burdens of life. I don't know what you need right now, but this is what I know. 
Jesus' birth sparks joy and hope in the darkest of nights. And I just want to end with a quote. Joy is distinctly a Christian word and a Christian thing. It is the reverse of happiness. Happiness is the result of what happens of an agreeable sort. Joy has its springs deep down inside, and that spring never runs dry no matter what happens. Only Jesus gives that joy. He had joy, singing its music within, even under the shadow of the cross. Amen. We're going to move into a time of of silence, just for like one to two minutes. And while we take this time of silence, I just want to give you two questions. Will you receive Jesus? And will you worship him? In every encounter we see, he's worshipped and received, and lives are changed and songs are sung. So take a minute of silence and ponder what has been said about Jesus and consider your response. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would meet us. Um, You know us. You know our hearts. Uh, Thank you for Jesus. And uh, Jesus, I I ask that you would make yourself present and aware to those of us who are in darkness, those of us who are overwhelmed by the burdens of life, those of us who are unclear on our futures, that you would come and give us peace. You are the Prince of Peace. In your name we pray. Amen.